are still waiting for Stephalus to show up. I haven't a clue where he is. Uh, can everybody hear me okay? I'm hoping nothing's happened to my mixer. Uh, this is episode 66 of Snakes and Stogies. Uh, I am Justin Smith, Palmetto Ghost Exotics, Herpeticulture Magazine, the Herpeticulture Network, the Herpeticulture Podcast. And um, I always want to say this before every episode, but I forget, but support USR, $5 a month. That's all it takes. And that, in fact, if you think about it, that's the most expensive membership that they have because the other ones are like 40 bucks a year. You're paying five bucks a month. You're paying more than that a year. But regardless of which route you go, support us arc. Things are getting a little hectic right now. Uh, as we all know, uh, this is the, he was late Friday and now he's late here. Uh, what's up, David? Um, yeah, it seems like, uh, as far as the us arc thing, I know uh, that's kind of been beaten to death by everybody. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing, because uh, I definitely think the hobby is sort of more unified than it's ever been when it comes to the, the legal aspect of things. But $5 a month, that's all it takes to support US ARC. Um, yeah, you don't get a shirt unless you do like the 40 or $20, but that shouldn't even matter. $5 a month, that's one less trip to Starbucks. That's one less trip to the gas station for two of these bangs, uh, for me at least. Um, that's like half a cigar. It's, it's, you can't afford not to. I mean, come on. Like, I made the joke on Facebook that even a crackhead has $5 to donate to US Arc. So, um, I haven't even heard from Phil. So I'm really hoping things aren't, there's not like an emergency or something I'm not aware of. Uh, but I'm about to, what's up, JT? Uh, light up this Roma Craft. Uh, this is a saber tooth. So this is probably one of the most complex cigars that Roma Craft makes, in my opinion. Uh, it's got the Ecuadorian Habano, which is that darker brown, and then you have uh, some Connecticut shade uh, in there as well to kind of change things up a bit. So it's very good. If you want to get your hands on some, hit me up. We ship Beaufort Tobacco. All that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you see barber poles, and I've, I mean, I've had a few where it was like, wow, this is actually something different. And then you get some that are kind of like, you don't really notice any difference. It's just, it just looks good. But these are definitely, like I said, one of the most complex, uh, complex cigars that they make, in my opinion, flavor-wise. I was going to figure out where Phil is at, and then I think we were going to kick things off and talk about the his weekend at Billy's, which I hope I hope everyone realized that was a play on weekend at Bernie's. But I wasn't able to go, um, but I did go to B City which is a small zoo in Cottageville, South Carolina. It's uh, kind of outside of Walterboro, speak of the devil. But we'll get into that in a few. The man is here. Hello, everyone. You're late. 
Uh, it wouldn't be Snakes and Stogies if I wasn't fashionably late. I was having computer technical difficulties. Luke Myers uh, just sent me a message and said, I listened to the last THP episode, cast a wary episode, please. So, All right. He's, he's kind of a bird guy, so it kind of makes sense that he would, uh, he would want that. I'm in, 110%. So, what I miss? Um, nothing. I was just talking about how I lit up this saber tooth. Excellent. I actually, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm glad that you did Stogies first because I pulled something out of my hat that I have not had in a very long time. And come to think of it, I don't think I've ever had this style before, but tonight I'll be smoking an Arturo Fuente Grand Reserva, but it's in that pear shape. I don't even know what you call that. That is a, a perfecto. That's kind of what they'd call that. Okay. Well, it will be smoked and enjoyed. That's the Maduro? That looks like a Maduro. Yeah, that's the Maduro. And Those I are, had The Maduros are very hard to find. Should I have not smoked it? <laughs> no, I mean, you can. It's okay. just like some, like, for whatever reason, be it. They allot shops a certain number of the Maduro versions of that, or if it's a, a supply issue and they're always on back order, I don't know. We just right. get them in very infrequently at work, and I know a lot of guys who come in and look for them complain that they can't find them anywhere. So Okay. Well, it was either between <clears throat> that or the traditional uh, Hemingway, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Um, maybe it's because I wish that I was him, but... It's it's a good smoke, so I decided to go with this one because I never had the. You said perfecto. Uh, yeah, I believe so. All right, yeah, I've never had one before, so I don't even know where it came from because, like, I don't smoke Arturo Fuentes often, but when I do, it's usually Grand Reserva. But I don't, I have no idea where it came from, but it was in there. So Brandon asked about the thylacine pictures. Did you see them? I did. I saw what the is, video and I saw the thoughts? pictures because I saw the pictures and I was like, that don't. That looks like a whatever the uh, 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 not a pangolin, but the patamelon. You know, yeah, patamelon. Yeah, patamelon. So, as someone who um, does not believe in crazy wilds or you know fantasies or anything like that, but is a firm believer in there's a lot in our world that's right in front of our face that we've never even known existed, let alone have we seen it in decades or if not centuries. Um, do I believe that there are thylacines still out there? 110%. Do I believe that this video is, you know, confirmed evidence? Fuck no. Um, I think Neil Waters is a wonderful human being. Um, I don't care what people say about him. I don't care the memes and the jokes. I think that Neil Waters is, is one of the only guys that in this, in that cryptozoology type of world that really stands by his convictions. The problem is, is that because of the internet, I feel like at times he's he's not grasping at straws, but he's definitely looking at the box of straws going, man, I want to pull one of those in my drink. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think the first two, quote-unquote, ambiguous adults, I don't think those are thylacines, but at the same time, what the hell do I know? Um, they look like patamelon butts with good shadows on them. Um, well, here's what's interesting. So Nipper yeah. was on Carpets and Coffee today. Really? And he was looking at him, and he said, compared to when you look at like the head shape and the ear shape and the ear size 
in comparison to a Patty Mellon, he said that thing's a thylacine, hundred percent. Yeah, the problem too is that I was actually watching the video. Um, and Nipper's never uh, wrong. We knew that. And Nipper is never wrong. Yeah, I was watching the video intermittently, so I have to sit down. I have to watch the whole thing over again. Um, I also know there's a lot of people that uh, freeze framed and enhanced a lot of of the of the videos and the pictures. So um, I want to take a look at those. That last one, in my, that that you know Joey, so to speak, um, it's either a anemic Tasmanian devil or is a thylacine. But here's the problem is when you go across the, you know, museum specimens that are taxidermied, uh, you know, you talk about both the ones in, I think Adelaide, the other ones in Hobart. Um, they don't, they're not that fat, they're lean. And it, it just goes like back to, well, how good was the taxidermy? Did we get it yeah. right? Are they actually fatter in real life? You know what that I mean? Taxidermy is a very real thing. Right. Did they make these specimens look more dog-like or did they make these specimens look like the anemic zoo specimen that died? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. and, and that's the problem. And it, it's sad to say that we'll, we'll never know. You know what I mean? Shy of getting a time machine. Um, but I really do believe they're out there. I believe they're totally on the mainland. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if the ones that are that still are on Tasmania have either adapted to being smaller in stature, much like a lot of other island species of animals, or it's just a different subspecies or, or a different species. Who knows? So I don't I, I gotta look more at it. At first glance, looking at the pictures, I was like, that's not. But then the more you thinking, examine it, thinking yeah. about it a little more, I was like, all right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that I think it's entirely possible that they're still out there. Um, like you were saying, given that we find new species of stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not impossible. Um, but I, I mean, say we do find one, then it's kind of like, okay, you only confirmed what a ton of people have already thought. And it's kind of like, okay, like they're there. Well, I'm also not, not just to say that I have a tinfoil hat on. Because let's be real, I, I do have a tinfoil hat on a lot of time, a lot of the time, excuse me. Um, but it wouldn't shock me that a zoological or museum facility or institution would give a really, really well-articulated knee-jerk response of, nope, that's not it. Because the minute you say that that is it, you're going to get hundreds, if not thousands of well-to-do individuals who are going to go there and do everything in their power to try and find it and or kill it and or catch it and or you know photograph it which one might think is a is is a better is a better thought process because you're proving its existence but at the same time there's so many people out there that they genuinely in their heart of hearts know it exists and they don't want people to find it you know it's like that movie the hunter with william defoe you know i, I, I consider myself a pretty manly man but i got pretty choked up at the end of that movie um not because you know you're killing poor defenseless little animals, but because the mindset of this animal's in my way, or this animal needs to be destroyed because it's you know fucking with my agenda. Like that is a very real thing that we see all over the world, countless times. You know, and then you get instances like the Walmart, New Jersey, where they had black pines, and <laughs> a bunch of kids went in there and said, "Look, we found seven adult pairs." you can't develop. And the state said, okay, no Walmart for you, which that's a great example of it. But at the same time now, how many other times was it Walmart just bulldozed, not Walmart, I want to say Walmart, a company, a corporation just bulldozed and said, oops, 
Dollar we didn't General. see anything. Yeah, we didn't yeah. see anything there. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of rabbit holes that go along with the concept of our thylacine still around. You know, so. I mean, as far as like the other stuff of like Nessie and Bigfoot and the more like chupacabras and the more sort of dare I say mystical beings, yeah. Like that, I don't buy as much, but like a species that was not that long ago, very much a thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I did to say that they're all gone when apparently, from what I've heard as well, like there's been a ton of sightings, like people see them, but because there's no like legitimate hardcore evidence for whatever reason, I guess people don't know how to work a damn camera. Uh, You know, who knows? Well, I mean, it just goes into like, all right, do I believe skunk ape is a thing? For those of you who don't know, skunk ape is Bigfoot's younger, smaller, redder, stinkier cousin. Redneck cousin. Yeah, literally the redneck cousin. Skunk ape is the Bigfoot of Southern Florida. Florida Bigfoot. Florida Bigfoot. It has red fur. It's only like five foot high. Can of skull. Can of skull. Natty Uh, light. Or loco. Natty light. Natty light. Um, But they smell like a skunk. So here's the problem is that Aside from having actual skunks in Florida, we also have skunk weed, which smells like a stinky skunk, and it inhabits the swamplands, you know, of the southern peninsula of Florida. So you got a lot of drunk people. You got a lot of people that see a lot of weird stuff. Uh, is it possible that there is a primate-like creature living in the Everglades? I'll be honest. It's remote enough that, yeah, there could be. Do I believe that skunk apes the thing? Uh, I don't know. Um same thing with Bigfoot. I don't know. You know, it goes back to the Florida Panther thing. You know, if you've only got 50 or 60 known tagged recorded Panthers and two of them get hit by a car every month, if not more, and you know the numbers are increasing, but you know at the same time you have consistent roadkill, how has no one hit a Bigfoot with his car? You know, and that goes also to the same thing of, well, they're intelligent. You know, they're bipedal. You know, they have uh, adaptive fur camouflage. I have no idea. Um, do I believe Yeti could be a thing? Absolutely. In the really? mi- in the middle of nowhere in the Nepalese mountains, there could be a large primate that is defensive and white because it blends in. I mean, shit, look at the spider-tailed viper. We didn't know that thing existed until National Geographic or Planet Earth or whatever shoved it in our face and we went, holy crap, look at that thing. So, I mean, who's to say that there isn't something out there that you know people just haven't seen in a long, long time? So, like your virginity, like my virginity, and you know what, Ernie? <clears throat> there are primates in the Everglades. Um, they have been put there accidentally, but they're definitely not Bigfoot. So, um, so long story short, do I believe thylacines are real? Absolutely. Do I think they're there? Absolutely. Do I think people are kind of keeping it under wraps for their safety or their protection or whatever? I wholeheartedly believe that. Uh, do I think that he might have them on camera? I gotta look more. I gotta look more. So, Phil is a swamp person. I try to be. How was uh, Billy's? Did we did we covered our sponsors this week? Uh, I was about to. I was going to say, tell us about Billy's after everyone goes and follows Puget Sound pythons. Yes, some fine specimens. Facebook. Puget Sound Pythons. Uh, they have a YouTube channel. I believe they have, so. They're, they're rocking the HM shirts and stuff. And yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I still got to get that that recording of the fine, cool, relaxing sounds of the Puget Sound. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're awesome. Check them out. So what were you going to ask me? I was going to ask, how was your weekend at Billy's? Billy Hunt. My weekend at Billy Hunt's was... Of Uwabami Reptiles. Of Uwabami Reptiles. was incredibly relaxing. Uh, good times with good people. Uh, my balls were consistently broken by the ones that love me, so that's good. I always assumed that if they didn't break my balls, uh, that means they didn't care. Um, but it was great. You know, we got in late. All right, so for those of you who are unfamiliar with Florida, if you want to go from one coast to the other coast, there's only like three highways in the general vicinity of where I live to do that. And they're all about an hour apart from each other. Um, so whenever I do the trip to Billy's, it always tells me to take Highway 60 through Yeehaw Junction. And I don't mind it because it's what? Yeehaw Junction. Yeah, yeah. So I don't mind taking it. You know, I take the turnpike up to Yeehaw Junction and then I just head west on Highway 60. And for the most part, it's a nice, calm, relaxing ride. It's all farmland. It's a two-lane highway. Speed limit's like 65. It's just easy, you know? Um, but the last three times I've done it, it has been accident after construction, after trauma hawk landing, just one after the other. So a three-hour trip turns into a five-hour trip. So we definitely had that on the way there. But when we got there, uh, everyone had already gone to bed except for Billy, which is fine. And it's great. And uh, Billy welcomed us. Matt and Jamie came with me. And uh, it was a good time. We had some beers, had some laughs. We went to the Tampa Repticon. Which, How was that? Uh, having been to the Tampa Repticon a couple times before, maybe a decade ago. Yeah, and I then, wasn't sure if y'all had went because I was going to say pick up some cork park tubes if you saw some. But I didn't see yeah. any signs that you guys had gone. So I, I, was, I didn't say anything. But your thumbs are broken. You couldn't just text me. I just I would assume you guys would have been posting pictures or something. So I I just thought you guys didn't go because it also seemed nah, we went. later in the day, and so I wasn't. I don't know because I know Billy had mentioned like that morning going, but then I saw pictures of Casey somewhere else doing something, and so I was like, they must not have gone. Well, yeah. So all right. So they're, the way the Repticon was doing it is they're doing it in two hour blocks because mm -hmm. of COVID, which was cool. You know, Billy was. Uh, kind enough to buy us our tickets ahead of time. So it was me, Billy, Matt, Jamie, uh, and Ryan, his significant other. And we went and Billy had uh, some, some wheeling and dealing to do. And uh, Matt and Jamie were pretty much looking for some vivarium type stuff. And I really didn't know what the hell I was looking for. So uh, we kind of just walked around a little bit. And it's nice because it's a smaller show. It's a little more personal. But Tampa has, it's at the Tampa Fairgrounds. Tampa has a couple different venues to host a show, right? So that same weekend was a gun show. So naturally the gun show, because it's going to get way more people, got a much bigger, better auditorium. This one, it's very poorly lit. It almost felt like an old barn where they just kept the barn doors open, let sunlight in. It was very dimly lit. Um, and it didn't feel fresh does that make sense it felt uh, like it felt like they got shoved in the old in the old stable you know 
So I kind of feel bad in that regard. So you're but, saying there's multiple places on the same on that same property on that fair. Correct. Ground, yeah. Correct. They got. You think they got moved to another building because of they other took venues. a backseat to the gun show. Yeah, pretty much. The so uh, the gun show. So there was uh, a lot of great vendors, a lot of great breeders. Um, uh, almost everyone that's there that had animals uh, were just small time folks, which is great. I love seeing small time folks having, you know, two or three tables and, you know, peddling their wares, so to speak. There was some funky tchotchke crap, you know, that gets to be expected. Um, but it was good. I saw a lot of avarium stuff, a lot of cork bark, a lot of plants. Um, it was almost entirely, I will say, it's almost entirely crested geckos and ball pythons, but there was still a little diversity. You saw some hog nose. Uh, one guy had an olive python, and, you know, eclectic group. But uh, after that, uh, Billy's better half, Anita, made us a wonderful dinner, bountiful array of Asian cuisine. Anita can uh, cook, man. Anita can cook, hands down. And uh, we drank a lot and got a little silly and ate a lot of food. She made Nutella pie. Nutella cream pie. That sounds it was dangerous. It was scandalous as hell. And uh, it was phenomenal. And then uh, Sunday, we wound up going to a couple breweries. And we went to the Florida Aquarium. Which Did you was, go to any cigar shops? No, because I wasn't with you. Yep. Wasn't with you. Had you been there, we would have gone to Ybor City and, you know, oh. done, it, done it up. Um. But we went to the Florida Aquarium, which was absolutely awesome. Um, why did you just text me? Because Cox sent me a nice picture. I figured you'd want to share with that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll share that. So we went to the Florida Aquarium, which is awesome because they have... Um, how, how big is that one? It's It looks big, but it's not. Um, that's kind of like the Charleston Aquarium. Like That is a nice aquarium. It's not very big. But yeah. I feel like... See, Charleston Aquarium is nice. We took uh, my daughter for her birthday a couple years ago. We took her to the Georgia Aquarium, which, you know, everyone talks about as, like, the nicest aquarium of all time, like, biggest major thing, you know. And I actually, I, honestly, I wasn't all that impressed with it. It feels like it was all fluff and no, like, substance, I guess. Sure. And it was also so packed that you I, most of the time <clears throat> when she wanted to see penguins or something, I just stood along the wall and let her you know, her and Katie go and do their thing. Like I was just keeping an eye out on, on people. And so there's so many people in there. It was unbelievable. Um, you went during COVID or no, 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 this is a couple oh, years okay. ago. Okay. Um, but I mean, I just, I don't know. I was, I was kind of like, everyone hyped it up a lot and I was like, cool. They got whale sharks. I was like, those are neat, but I don't know. I just wasn't all that impressed. Like the Charleston aquarium is nice. Cause it's, it's smaller, but they have like this nice little spot. That's, almost like an aviary where it's it's enclosed but it's open so it has like net so they have like storks and like diamondback terrapins and like a bunch of native fish and like these two can uh, canals that sort of bend around like a sidewalk and uh i don't know it's cool it's been a while since i've been there but smaller aquariums i feel like are more effective sometimes because they they focus more on like what they have instead of the amount that they have yeah very true i would say that this aquarium was uh, nowhere near as large as you'd imagine it, nowhere near as large as I expected it. But again, like you said, the attention to detail in the enclosures was phenomenal. They have mangrove estuaries with the biggest redfish you've ever seen. 
uh, all kinds of turtles and shorebirds and, and all the animals are fearless because they just they're just so used to humans they don't care mm-hmm. you know at any point in time you could have just grabbed a spoonbill and picked it up the bird just didn't care um, uh, very little reptiles but again it's an aquarium um, yeah the Charleston aquarium has a few they have like native stuff like copperheads and dusky pygmies and then for a while they had like an Amazon exhibit I guess they have like this one larger room that rotates to different things periodically every so many years and for a handful of years they had Amazon like Amazon basin exhibit and so they had like an electric eel and they had uh, like an um, an emerald tree boa um, I think it was just a northern I don't think it was a caninus or anything like that but <clears throat> um they had like a green anaconda, um, some bugs and stuff. Like it was, it was cool. Like they had their one room, but the rest was the aquarium. So it was kind of a nice mix of, yeah, both. Yeah, they um they had a ton of coral reefs and gigantic like you know rock ledge walls and continental shelf type shit. Tons of open water fish. The largest barracuda I've ever seen in my entire life. The thing looked like a damn shark. Um, but it was it was really fun, man. It was a good time, and you know we're with animal people, so it's animal people looking at animals. It was awesome, and uh, we did that, and uh, we came home. It was a good it was a good little micro vacation. So glad we did it. Let me uh, let me pull up that picture of the cocks, man. Yeah. See, I mean, like even the Repticon shows. Like, if I have nothing to do, and there's one going on in like Charleston or something. Like that's a good way to that's a fun way to spend like half a day if you ask me. Like that's not a far drive, you know. You might stumble across some stuff that you actually have been looking for. You know, and it's like, yeah, it might be a lot of cresteds and ball pythons, but it's still reptiles. You know, it's still right. absolutely. Um, thank you, Cox. I am Bigfoot. Phil is a skunk ape. Yep, I'll take it. I do have a red beard. It's disgusting. <clears throat> So yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. It was a good trip. The uh, I actually bought some isopods and some springtails, and uh, Billy was kind enough to cut me a crap load of pothos. So I'm gonna start doing. Uh, I'm gonna do all the tremerserous, uh, quasi bioactive. Mm-hmm. Put some pothos with them, and uh, I have lights for them that I never use. So I figure I'll get the timer all worked out with them. So that'll be good. And uh, yeah, man, it's a good time. Very good time. Yeah, Andy you know, said he might have convinced James Opdahl to come to Daytona this year. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. You know, and, and half the time you're at Billy's, you're playing with the collection, you know? So oh, yeah. The animals are just, his animals are just awesome. You know, the Asian rats and all the frigging carpets. It's it's awesome. You know, the Maclots. And, ugh, awesome. Awesome stuff. And then he had a couple carpet females drop while we were there. So, you know, Ryan Cox was lucky enough to pull his first carpet off of a, off of a <laughs> beehive. You know, that, that was awesome, man. You know, I got to hold Nova Guinea eggs. Super cool. Super cool. I actually have some pictures if you want to throw them up. Ernie, that's going to depend on who you ask. He asked, is Daytona still what it was 10 years ago? Uh, no, I think it's better than it was 10 years ago. And it's coming back to what it was 15 or 20 years Dude, ago. Dude, I have a feeling this year's is going to be like a serious banger. Yeah. Hell yeah. I, I feel like I just have this this sneak suspicion this year is just going to be absolutely nuts. 
So we got to you, me, and Billy still have to plan for the table thing. Still, well, we we discussed a little bit this mm -hmm. weekend. We didn't go we didn't go too crazy because you're uh, you weren't there, and we want to obviously keep you abreast of the situation. Um, let me get these pictures up for you, and uh, we'll go from there. So here we have, <clears throat> excuse me, we have Jamie holding the rhino rat. Awesome, awesome specimen. Oh, Dude, those things are growing like weeds. Yeah, no kidding. So they were still changing last time you sent me pictures of them. And like, you know, we always talk about how they're fairly arboreal. That thing just did whatever it wants. You know? What the rhinos? Yeah. Oh yeah. Look at that thing. I mean, I, I was I had to take that picture just because it was so cool. Oh, I thought that was Elias's for some reason. No, I mean, that's water a, python. That's yeah, I see it now, but the white chin. I yeah. couldn't see the, the horn at first. I was like, Nova Guinea eggs. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one, and then she wound up doing the rest of the next morning. So that was awesome. And like I'm so excited that he's got these eggs. I'm really hoping they all come out good because I'm gonna spend some friggin' money. Like what just pairing was it? Oh, the Novas? The Novas. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So there we have just so for people to get an idea, the Nova is on the left and the Aaron Gyre or you know, pop one is on the right. And like everyone just thinks, oh, same island, same snake, totally different, completely different animals. You know, and that Nova Guinea, it, 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 it's it's just a different creature, man. They're awesome. Super cool. Can't wait to get them. Well, yeah, I mean, remember last week we were looking at the iNaturalist stuff, and I, I do really wonder if those are uh, more of the easternly yeah. region. Oh, 110%. 100%. Here we have an albino Darwin, and I'm pretty sure that's Billy's only Darwin. Um, yeah, I think it is too. Yeah, and dude, I love that snake. The bands on that, know. the bands on that specimen are just so intense. And like this picture does not do it justice. I feel like pictures don't do albino like albino Darwin's justice ever. They don't. The ones I've seen at shows were like holy crap, but I see them in pictures and I'm kind of like meh. And like if you saw this thing slithering through the bush or like through the grass, you'd swear this was an albino tiger snake. Like the bands on that are just mm -hmm. so intense, you know. Um, but unfortunately, the thing is a lunatic and will try and rip your face <laughs> off every chance it gets. So there's only one picture of him. Um, oh no, these pictures don't work. Oh, there we go. So that's your Carpandro. Yeah, those things are growing like crazy too. Yeah, remember Super when he, he when we were down there? Not the not last Daytona, but the Daytona before last. They were still little. It was little yeah, that thing's awesome. Again, picture does not do it justice. That thing is literally radioactive. That's how mm -hmm. awesome it is. Um, and then here we have, oh, there's a close-up for you. And, like, you could just see the attributes of both animals. Yeah. You know? um, and it's funny because this, <clears throat> excuse me, this specimen being 50%, you know, chondro, 50% carpet, it acts like a carpet until it stops. And the minute it stops... It's you straight up holding the chondro. It's super interesting just to yeah, watch. Billy's, Billy's mentioned before that depending on how which has the higher percentage kind of dictates how they behave. Yeah. Which I thought it, was really interesting. And it, it's just like crazy because you'll be playing with it and holding it in your hands and 
you're holding a carpet pipe on. And then the minute you stop like giving it the treadmill, so to speak, it just kind of balls up like a chondro. It's, it's crazy. Um, and now there you go. That's the Xanthic mm. IJ. Yeah. Had to take the watch picture. Unfortunately, I got to clean that watch out. That watch is kind of gross, but just black and white. Just an awesome animal. Awesome, awesome animal. So, and there he is. The man, the myth, the legend. I'm really, I'm, I'm upset you didn't get any pictures of a mid-bite. Billy Hunt. I me, tried, and Billy, me and Billy have this war going on, okay? Anytime we're together. We try to take pictures of each other mid-bite, and we try to get the other one to look as stupid as possible while they're doing it. And so, like, all Daytona last year, it was me, like, hiding in the corner trying to get a picture of Billy, but he'd catch me every time. It was like he had a spidey sense, and he could tell when I was doing it. And then he got a few of me. And uh, now we just we save them up as ammo for blackmail down the road. So <laughs> I tried, man, but the problem is when, when he was eaten, so was I. So that didn't stop me. <laughs> but yeah, man, awesome time, awesome animals, awesome people, good food. You know, I can't I can't thank Billy and Anita enough for hosting us. And uh Billy got a new incubator and a sea serpents incubator. That thing is just dynamite. Absolutely dynamite. Next time you're up this way and it's like warmer months. We need to go to the Edisto Serpentarium. I would concur wholeheartedly. Because that place is cool. But while you were down in Florida, I, uh, me and the girls went to this small zoo up in Cottageville, which is this tiny little area uh, next to Walterboro, which if you're familiar with South Carolina, uh, there's not a whole lot out there. It's kind of in between Beaufort and Charleston. Uh, but there's this little zoo called B-City. It's called B-City because they have like apiaries and stuff and they, they collect honey and sell honey and stuff. But they have like a whole zoo section and they've got like a tiger and a snow leopard and a like a reptile house and uh dom said but when you will you visit kentucky and hurt with cox and i that's got to happen oh yeah i gotta have those apparent copperheads gotta have yeah. them did you see the picture of the one i posted that was at b city that patternless one yeah that thing's awesome dude that thing was sick awesome so they had uh in their reptile house they had two small brittles pythons that weren't adults yet uh they had a berm they had a king cobra they had a really nice little cantile which i feel like those don't get appreciated until you see them in person as well like that's another one where you're like yeah that's cool but then you see like the white lines on the face and stuff and you're like oh that thing's awesome um they had a gaboon a couple of alligators um a nice little pygmy rattler display they had one piggy that was really light colored. I, I wish I could have got a better picture of it. It was kind of tucked away in the back. You couldn't really see it very well, but it was really interesting. Um, a big display with probably four or five um, timber rattlers. Um, another display with three or four Eastern Diamondbacks. Um, some plated lizards, which I thought was cool because Paul, Do uh, Paul Donovan, our writer for the magazine in Botswana, did an article on plated lizards not that long ago. 
uh, a really do you, incredible. Do you know which places they were? Uh, they were Sudan's. Nice. I love them. I've had I them think. before. Sudanese are awesome. Um, they had a, a red garter, which at first glance I was like, "Oh, they have a red Dion's!" Like, holy crap! <laughs> and because it was moving really fast, it was like doing circles, and uh, it stopped. I was like, "Oh, it's a it's a garter, like brick red, dude, crazy." Um, they had a little east. They had some native species. Some they had like three cotton mouths. Um, Snapping turtles, both species. Nice. Uh, and then outside, they had a couple like uh, squirrel monkeys, which were cool as hell. Cool. Uh, some capuchins, some other kinds. Um, goats, kangaroos, llamas, camels. They had some two camels there too. They were so freaking huge. Like I forgot how big camels are. The single dromedaries. A dromedary. That I don't remember him being that big, dude. Yeah, I walked up and I was like, like you could pet them and stuff. Like they were right there. Cool. You could feed them, and uh, dude, some, camels like, are awesome. Some really interesting, like African uh, horse, deer, uh, oryx, and stuff like that. One might say hoofstock. Sure. Yeah, that. Uh, so it was cool. I mean, they had they had a little bit of everything. Um, that was the first day they'd been open because with all the rain and stuff we had recently, they're they're right on the Edisto River and there had been flooding. And so it it like I Reed sent me pictures because he knows the guy that's the curator and he sent me pictures that, that were sent to him of like the flooding in the reptile room. It was insane. Uh wow, it's sad. It sucks. I mean it was everything was fine. Like when we were there, you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have even known. Like looking yeah. at the pictures like a week prior, you would have never known there was any flooding in that room. Um, nice. And apparently, they're supposed to get some beaded from Reed as well. Oh, nice! Very so cool. That was cool. Um, it was a nice little zoo. I mean, it wasn't crazy expensive, which was nice. Um, they have like a little gift shop, which again wasn't crazy expensive. Like you go to most zoos and you look and like the stuffed animals were like forty or fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah. And of course, your kid wants one. Of course. And, I mean, what are you going to do? Say no? No, you're going to fork over the money. Yeah. Uh. Oh yeah, Brent's been there. He said. Loves B City. It was nice. cool. I liked it. They had some slots, which I thought was pretty neat. That tiger cool. they had was freaking huge. That's another thing. I always forget how large they are until you see one in person. And all I can think of is that's a really crappy way to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had the, the snow leopard was really pretty. Um, they just had all kinds of stuff, man. It was cool. And it, was, it wasn't so big that it took up all day. Like we stayed there for probably three or four hours, uh, but it wasn't massive. You know, it wasn't like a hike to yeah. one end and back. You know, kind of yes. like Jacksonville Zoo and stuff like yeah. that. But it was cool. Um, awesome. I may see if they have any interest in some cyania. I might be willing to donate some. I don't know how their what their process is for that. But they had a really cool uh, corn snake setup. Where like I'm kind of like what I was talking about in the group chat about. Uh, like how Edisto has theirs. It's a bunch of old like barn decor, like old yeah. wood and old pieces, like uh, machinery and stuff like that on like sand. They had a really cool uh, display like that, which I'd love to set up some corns like that at some point. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it was, they had some other rat snakes, some black rats, some yellow rats. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Covered a lot. 
It's a good good spot, man. It was cool. It was nice. So very cool. Yeah, Brandon said he's about to go. He's going to be in Somerville next week. Yeah, it's right outside of Somerville. It's like as you're going from Walterboro to Somerville, it's like right there. So definitely worth checking out. Um, and then yesterday, so we went to my parents' house for dinner. And my dad, there's there's a chicken coop in the back. You remember that one from the wedding. The chicken coop that's been abandoned in the back that has no chickens in it. That has tin roof. My dad had extra tin that he, that's been sitting back there forever. And so usually when it starts warming up, I go back there and start flipping it and sort of rearranging it and, sit, and setting it out a little bit. Right. And so I was just wandering around because uh, it was nice out. It was cool, but it wasn't hot. It was like the perfect temperature and stuff for, for stuff to be out about and I went and first piece of tin I flipped, nice little copperhead. Um, don't recommend doing any of that in flip flops, and I don't recommend flipping tin with your hands because that could have been bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so relocated that because my daughter and my nieces were running around and wanting to go run around the woods, and of course my parents are already nervous about snakes and stuff with them out in the woods and whatnot, so... Ended up relocating it to the next lot over, uh, next property over. So that kind of made up, that made that that made the weekend it was the the cherry on top. So cool, man. Good shit. It. Uh, I don't. You know, it's it's strange because I don't. You would think being out where they are and you having been there and seen it, you would think that there would be copperheads and stuff everywhere. Yeah. But I I really that's. The well, second the one I've seen in a year. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, think about how many you don't see. You know, how often do you really surveying that property and all that leaf litter? Gosh, there's so much leaf litter on that property. You know, it's it's a it's a copperhead's dream. So I'm sure it's like that running joke of for every one you see, there's five you missed, you know. But I was really hoping I'd find another corn. Yeah, well, I was going to give you one and uh it's still yours if you want it just send it to chris all right i'm going to send i got a miami phase i'm sending him to so. i'm just i'm focused on the beaufort stuff when it comes to corns okay i know the feeling man i'm still looking That's for all. everglades yeah you get it i get it 110 still looking for everglades in fact i've decided that uh once i give chris these corns um i'm pretty much done with rat snakes except for everglades Thing. I'm just going to focus on them. Say that. No, no, that that's it. I, I, dude, I had the chance of buying a pair of Transpecos this weekend at the show. And I was like, you know what? Not for me. Not for me. What were they asking on them? Oh, uh, geez. 700 for the pair? What? Adults. Still. I, I'm Obviously, I'm not going to buy them. Well, but I, but I, I had that the opportunity to. That may be accurate because you're, if you think about it, I mean, babies go for, depending on what, three, three fifty? The phase and the locality, if that's. Yeah, the, I saw babies, were, babies go for like 200, 250, depending on what they are. And females, especially, are like incredibly hard to find. Yeah, there was a, I saw a, whatever you want to call a normal, normal looking one. Forgive me for not knowing the proper you know, phenotype name, a uh, normal looking male that was probably about, Ooh, I'd say maybe 25, 30 inches. And I think they wanted like 
380 for that or 375 for that. Mm, and then yeah, there, there was a blonde male that was probably a yearling and that was 350. That's and then there high. was that, and then there was a pair of, of, uh, I would say at least three foot, at least three foot. Um, were they, they were normal, who knows? They were normal looking. They weren't anything special looking and that they want 700 for the bear. Maybe, maybe 600. I don't know. I don't know. I asked because it's pretty well documented that wild caught bears, especially wild caught females, do really not well in captivity. Like they're 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 a challenge. They don't adjust well. You can't just breed them the next year. Like they take time to really settle and get into the groove. And it's uh difficult. It's not for everybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but the next thing. So I was watching a video the other night. Yeah. I saw a guy. I guess people keep jellyfish. Is that a thing? It's incredibly hard. But they do. This, this guy got, he had some sea nettles. What is that? And he was, they're, I mean, they're jellyfish. They look almost like box jellyfish, except they're, I think they, they don't kill you nearly as. Are those the ones that are called cone jellies? I don't think so. I don't know. But okay. he, it was a video and he was showing how he, you know, when you, when you get them, like fish, you have to acclimate them to the water. Uh, you know, you can't just dump them in. Yeah. And uh, it made me think, like, because you guys were at the aquarium too. And one of my, every time I go to an aquarium, like my favorite section is where, like, those, um, like the black lights with the jellyfish and, oh, yeah. dark, and it's just the lights. Oh, so yeah. It made me think, like, if there was, if I had a, a smoke, like a, a room to smoke cigars in. Like if I could have anything in it, what would it be? And I think it would be a dark room with just a giant wall unit of nothing but jellyfish. Yeah. And you just sit there and watch them. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned like, that. What would what would your if you had a smoke room? What would you? What well, would you put? so before I get into that, I'll just say that the Florida Aquarium in Tampa has several different jelly tanks and. One of the ones that we were so disappointed on because like, all right, so you walk in this hallway and it's all, it's dark and it's, 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 it's the ambiance is just intense. And I, I love it. And you walk down this hallway and they have like easy music playing, like undersea music, like do, mm -hmm. you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea type shit. And, uh, and it's all rock walls with like blue and red and purple lights that like cascade off of the rocks. Yeah. And then there's little like nooks that happens to be the front end of a tank. And like you walk up and you look mm -hmm. in it, there's a little placard that's just bright enough to read. Um, and they had all different types of jellies and seahorses and reef stuff. and uh, Octopus. Uh, they didn't have one. We didn't see it. I think it was uh -huh. down. Um, but they had one tank with bioluminescent jellyfish that the, the, the bioluminescence is like yeah, like, like, like strobes. strobes, right? Yeah. But they had a blue light on it, and it's like I wish they would have just turned the light off, so you could just just see the strobes. Like that would have been awesome, mm -hmm. you know. And the, all of us, we were all talking about how we all agreed that they should have just turned the light off, or maybe had it so like the person out front could turn the light off to see it, you know, or put on a timer or something so like every five minutes it turns off so you could see. But it was pretty awesome. Um, having worked with Marcus at the museum. Uh, they had a very, very unique tank um, that I'd never seen before. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever successfully done it except for them and maybe one other place, but they had a Portuguese man-of-war on display. And 
the reason why it's so difficult is because you have to have a cylindrical tank, right? Right. That, that obviously has an air gap at the top for, you know, the, the pompadour to float, yeah. you know, the air bubble to float. But there has to be a 360 degree dynamic current. I was going to say there has to be moving water with those, right? Has because to be they're completely water. reliant on the drift. Correct. But here's the thing, though. No one realizes this, but uh, Portuguese man of war, first of all, it's a colony of animals. It's not just one yeah. animal. So it's several different types of animals living together harmoniously, symbiotically. But when one part gets bumped or touched, it dies off. So if you have any edges and it mm -hmm. bumps into like the glass, it dies. Hmm. And then at the same time, Portuguese men of war have some of the longest tentacles in the animal yeah. world. And I think like adults can reach almost like 100 feet in length. So you have to make sure that the specimen you have is not so tall that if the tentacles touch the bottom, they die off. So making the tank, I know, cost a lot of money. And I know they went through three or four Portuguese men of wars before they finally got it right. Um, but like just the, the science behind getting the tank built and the current and everything else. like The, the level current, of commitment, man. Yeah, it's a level of commitment, man. Absolutely impressive. Um, for me, it would be one animal and one animal specifically. Um, I've thought about different types of stingrays. You know, like spotteds or whatever, but there's one animal that I would totally have in my chill cigar lounge, and I would want a like six or eight foot long tank with uh, Nautilus. That would be cool. I would want Nautilus, and I would want it to be very, very open, very minimalistic tank, um, and just have like a school of Nautilus. And like I thought cuttlefish would be cool too, you know, because they do have all the different crazy colors. But mm -hmm. there's just something unique and like like more prehistoric with the Nautilus, you know? There's yeah, and I mean cephalopods in particular are super interesting to me. Like uh, yeah. I have a book called um oh, what's the title of it? I need to hunt it down. But it's about this uh, cephalopods and it talks about like consciousness. And it's, I guess it's kind of a philosophy book in a sense, but it talks about like their, their intelligence and stuff like that. And, um, it would be really cool if you just had a, like a small species of octopus or something in there that, you know, is like fully aware of, of what's going on outside the glass and stuff like that. It'd be pretty interesting, but the jellyfish thing would just be cool. I don't know. I'd have like this really weird ambient music playing. I'd probably fall asleep, honestly. Yeah, but that's the whole point is just to have a relaxation, you know? But if I if it wasn't if it was something that had to be herp related, what would you, what would you choose if it had to be herp related? That's a tough one. Um, it can be would, anything. Okay, anything that's herp related. Well, first things first, I would do like um, who is is it Jake in Australia that's got the. Uh, is it? I think it's Jake Meany who's got the the. It might be Zach. I don't know. There's a zoo in Australia where the reptile hallway, if you will, all of the jungle vivariums have like thunderstorms that go off, mm -hmm. and, like rain, and like the lighting dims, and I would have to have all that. So like, if it's thunder and lightning in the Amazon, it's thunder and lightning in my cage, you know. 
And then they also have, you know, the sounds of the jungle. I would want that, that I would want hundreds of hours of animal jungle recordings, everything from bugs to birds to everything. I would have to mm-hmm. have that just to, again, set that ambiance. Um, but I don't, I feel like I would want something tropical, you know? Yeah. Um, I would almost want like a, like a, if I could do a cohab, I would. Um, I don't know. I just like, I want to say something South American, but I'm really not into South American stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, so like your first thing goes to, it's like, all right, I want dart frogs and I want like a, a base. Uh, above it'd it. be cool if you had like a, just a, some diesel specimen of a Bothrops. Like yeah. That would be pretty cool. But you got to also think about it, the animal destroying the enclosure. Cause that's what they do. They just don't care. So like, would I love to have, you know, a, a big black headed Bushmaster, with a bunch of smaller lizards running around stuff, stuff that won't mess with him per se. Yeah. But I know damn well that that Bushmaster is going to get, you know, antsy one night. It's going to knock everything over. So like, you almost well, no, pay- like the whole thing is that is there, money is no object. So you can put in whatever you want in there. That's my collar all jacked up. You can put anything in there and you don't have to worry about that. We're talking like zoo grade, Massive display. It can be three walls of the room if you wanted it to be. Okay. All right. This is cliche, and I like it. I want cracked earth desert with spinifix grass. I want a as realistic HD high-def background of Uluru, and I want a big-ass inland taipan. And I want to have I want to have the the fissures and the in the rocks and stuff, and the stone and the clay and the earth. I want the fissures to go to an intricate tunnel system, so that I can see it underground. You know, one way one way glass, so I don't disturb him. And that's what I want. And you know, every once in a while, throw a bearded dragon in there and see what happens. <laughs> I think I, as much as I talk about how I, I wouldn't I don't want elapids of any variety I think it would be really cool if you had either a nice black or a Jameson's yeah actually I gotta like something that I would gotta, be mobile and out and visible check this out so Henry sent me a picture of a Jameson's that is incredible a super dark one yeah, I guess it's been floating I I around saw, recently. Yeah, I think I saw it the, the yesterday or the day before. I think I know which one you're talking about. It's really cool looking. Yeah, I don't know whose it was or where it came from, but this specimen, yeah, this specimen is what you'd want in a Jameson's. Yeah, that's the same one I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. look at that. Is. Like, look at Crazy. the hood. And dude, they're they're just batshit crazy of a mamba, mm-hmm. but. That animal is tip top, you know. It almost—I'll be honest—the the lack of black tail mm-hmm. makes me say that it's not a Jameson's and that it's just a Veridus. No but way. The head and the body and everything—you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a lot of snake, man. Psychologically and physically. <clears throat> Henry says, so I want to move in with uh, Matt Somerville. Uh, Matt Somerville's enclosures are breathtakingly amazing, but I'm not talking about his, you know, f- you know, 100-gallon tank with the, you know, 
the black, uh, what do they call that? Um, that black clay. Henry, what's what's that called? Black clay? Um, no, no, there's a name for it. Henry's going to have a message right now. Um, his, his enclosures are gorgeous. I'm talking about a giant enclosure that has, like, literally feels like you're sitting in a chair staring at Uluru with, like, the lighting and everything. You know, natural spinifex grass just growing. Throw some knobtails in there. Hope they hope they make it. You know. Yeah. See, I think actually what my pick would be would be some big melanota. But you have the light cycle reverse, so that during the day it's dark in there, but there's red lights or like dim yeah. lights, like a yeah. moonlight effect. Yeah. And then at night it's daytime, so that if you're in that room, you actually see them. You know what? I'm changing mine. I'm changing mine. <laughs> I knew this would happen. Like as soon as I thought about mine. it, I was like, "Man, we're gonna go back and forth on this a lot." Yeah. There's too many um, options. All right, all right. You ready? Like a thirty-foot wall, right? Mm -hmm. Glass from floor to ceiling. Okay. Rock escarpment that is varying in uh, uh, depth, so to speak. But I want cutouts with pictures so it looks like you're looking off the cliff mm -hmm. in like outside of Cape Town. Maybe even have Cape Town like in the far distance, you know? Yep. And just an entire colony of cataphractus. Just an entire colony, let them do their own thing, just dump in food and just watch the interactions between mom, dad, and the babies and just let them do their thing. There's too many options, man. There's too many options. But I think the jellyfish one would be not my number one. That would be the first thing I would do. I feel like I feel like jellyfish is almost more attainable because you don't have to have a giant enclosure, you know? I mean, all the jellyfish tanks that I see at aquariums don't have anything in them. It's literally just the four walls, which I guess when you're dealing with something like that, it's yeah. not like they need enrichment, you know? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <clears throat> it's true. They're barely a living thing as is. What are you looking at? What are you looking I'm trying at? To, I'm trying to find pictures of Ketafractus on Cliff Face. I spelled Ouroboros wrong. In case anybody missed it as well, issue 17 of Herpeticulture Magazine was released yesterday. Yeah. You can check it out at the Herpeticulture Magazine Facebook page. Uh herpeticulturemagazine.com you can read all the latest the latest issue and all the previous issues and you can buy whatever issues you want and uh, it's there for your reading leisure yeah you know what man you could have you could have multiple different like let's say you have a four-sided room right mm -hmm. you could have a different enclosure on each wall right you know so like you could have the africa room you could have the southeast asia room who's to say you're limited to one you know man cave you know 
I think it's interesting. I've always wanted to have like the, the vintage, you know, gentleman's study, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the, the bookshelves that go to the ceiling. Many leather bound books. Many leather bound books that smell of rich mahogany and, uh, you know, the rolling ladder, you know, like, uh, you know, something Sherlock like Holmes the would have. Yeah, something Sherlock Holmes would have. And I always wanted to have an emerald on a wooden perch, like a bird perch, with a glass dome that just went on top of them. Like that's just well, that's just where that wouldn't work out very well long term. I know I'd obviously <laughs> work out long term, but like you have people over, just stick them on there, put the glass dome on, you know, for company. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Thank you, Miguel. All the photographs were taken by me. <laughs> and uh, I know Br- Brandon had a question earlier. Um, I think I Brandon missed- a giant marine iguana colony with an enclosure that has a working <clears throat> tidal pool. That would be pretty sweet. Oh, and uh, Brandon asked, uh, are there any aquariums or zoos that keep sea snakes? In the United States, I don't believe so. Um, Hendog and I have looked into this pretty extensively, and some places have had some people have kept sea crates because they are more you know terrestrial but the problem is for like one snake you need a minimum of like 500 gallons and the salinity level has to be perfect they only eat specific types of fish endemic to their area so it becomes very very costly and very very labor intensive and they don't really do too well you know um, mm-hmm. it's almost uh, it's almost it's just not worth it you know yeah I think that's 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 a group of snakes that is one of the one of the few that just wasn't meant for captivity. You know, yeah, doesn't yeah. work. Yep. Although no, because what? There was an episode of either Crocodile Hunter or maybe Jeff Corwin forever ago, and they were catching sea snakes. And there was some research center that had these giant plastic pools i mean not i'm not talking about small like these things were massive like probably 15 feet across if i had to guess at least and they were keeping sea snakes in these to like study them but i don't know if it was a permanent thing or if they just held on to them for a few weeks and then released them yeah i think i I watched something i think dr fry had something like that too they had like a like kiddie pools on the back of a boat Mm -hmm. you know they catch the snake put in the kiddie pool get the data they wanted and then throw it back so I, i don't know interesting Hmm. But yeah, man, because like I also think like just going back to your um, uh, your farmyard equipment, you know, I would love to have like, and I, I here's the thing is most of the ideas that I think we have, I took a picture. Okay, most of the ideas we've had in terms of like naturalistic yet aesthetically pleasing, uh, not just you know a lush vivarium, you know, having some kind of decor, like uh, we talk about farm equipment. You know, rusted old iron, rusted mm-hmm. brown and red. And I think about like doing like pygmies and like see if I can find some old, you know, bolts or nuts or something to throw in there or like, uh, you know, go to the, the cane fields. <clears throat> excuse me. The cane fields down by me are littered with old farm equipment. You know, I'll just take a socket set, pull off something that's been abandoned, you know, pull off like an arm or, or a limb of some kind of machinery and throw that in there, let the grass grow around it. You know, I think that would look really cool. I don't I have a picture of that setup, but I did send you a picture of the red garters. Okay, cool. 
and then I also think about too, um, you know, when my wrinkles get older, uh, for those of you who haven't watched it, um, whether you're a fan of his or not, Dingo has a great video of him going to Kokstad and catching wrinkles on a farmer's property. Um, and it's actually, a, it's a pretty, you take his, you know, pluckiness out of it, his, his forced jovialness out of it, and he gives a lot of really great information, and the specimens he finds are really good-looking specimens, whether you believe they're planted or not. Um, but he's basically in cow fields, and there's a bunch of old stone walls that are, you know, in between each paddock. And I don't know if it's, uh, you know, from colonial days or if it's something that the farmer built that just got, you know, taken back by the sands of the time. Uh, but these Kokstad Renkals live in those stone walls. And I've actually thought about, you know, once mine get older, doing almost like a prairie type environment with a scenic backdrop of, you know, maybe cow fields or, you know, mountainscapes. Because, you know, outside of, uh, you know, uh, an hour or two west of like Durban, you know, west of, you know, uh, KNZ, it gets very, very hilly, lots of hillsides, lots of thick vegetation, but still have that farm, you know, stone wall appearance in the enclosure. I thought about doing that too. There's, that would be super easy to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my all-time favorite enclosures, and I wouldn't pick this for the man cave, so to speak, but one of my dream enclosures is to either do an Egyptian theme or an Israeli theme. Uh, basically, I want to do a large, wide enclosure that's arid or desert. Um, let's use Egypt, for example. I wanted to do sand dunes with some grass coming out of the dunes and then i wanted to have old quartz stone just piled up mm -hmm. with a, with like where half of the enclosure like a third of the enclosure is this stone mound that the snakes can go in and out of and then it kind of rubbles down and the backdrop is you know the pyramids of giza you know or maybe you know the the obelisk at luxor or whatever um and then the Israeli one would basically be the same thing, but instead of having quartz stone, have actual old vintage bricks. You know, those, those maybe, they're, maybe they are quartz, I don't know, but stone bricks and then broken in the middle is like a window. And you can see, you know, the west side of Jerusalem with the Temple Mount, you know, on the West Bank and, and, and the gold dome of the Temple Mount. And I thought that would be really cool and do some Palestinian vipers. That would be awesome. Thanks, Dan. I got to check that out. Dan says that the Staten Island Zoo has some really cool reptile rooms with some really cool venomous setups. But yeah, I, 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 would, I would like to do as like a bucket list thing is visit all the major zoos like San Antonio, you know, all like the, the world's best sort of deal that we have here in the States, like Bronx Zoo and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just going back to the decor and stuff. I feel like there can be a lot. It doesn't just have to be our traditional naturalistic setups um, where the animal can still get everything it needs and we still kind of set the scene, you know? You know well, it would be even more interesting if you had something that big to see what they prefer to use. Like, do you know, if you had like a pile of, of rocks or something, like bricks, just scattered in like, in like a pile, not like put together in like a, you know, a shape or anything like that. Yeah, you know, they prefer that versus you know if you had like a, a makeshift uh, like 
den, I guess, that you dug out yourself and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. And like for that, like Egyptian setup, like, okay, so the Israeli setup would be pretty easy because I would just do a natural kind of grassy, nothing crazy uh, with, like I said, Jerusalem in the background with the Temple Mount and all that. But the Egyptian one, it would be heavy, heavily sand dependent. And I would probably just do Sarasti Sarastis. But the key to all of these, you know, forced perspective, forced depth perspective enclosures is having your background backlit. Mm-hmm. So that it doesn't just look like a sticker on the back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I know a lot of photographers now, uh, they're playing with, uh, it's essentially, I don't know if it's laser etched or it's printed screen on aluminum and or Plexi or Lexan or whatever, where it's backlit in such a way that it's a matte photo or even a glossy photo, but it doesn't look like there's light coming through it, but it looks illuminated and it looks like you're really there. So the, the rays of light or the, the focal points in the photo are, you know, accented via the backlighting. I really want to play with that. Who knows? Yeah. Win the lottery first, right? Uh, yeah. Invest in, can you imagine if we had invested in Amazon 20 years ago? How about this? How about one of my customers? He bought a thousand stocks of Apple in like 1988. Crazy. It's insane. Oh, so there was something else that I saw earlier today um, that had the gears turning and that was uh, Maria Mar Masso at Bellamar Reptiles. She did a live stream with Jeremy Turgeon. Uh, and they were talking about what's the best way to put it? How people coming into the hobby are treated online. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about it, uh, because, you know, she was talking about how, you know, it's the internet. People are, are ugly for the sake of being ugly. You know, in terms of attitude and stuff. And I agree for the most part. The issue I find, and we've all seen it if we're in any sort of Facebook groups, uh, you know, every week someone new comes in and asks the same question that the guy last week asked. Uh, and I have no issues with that per se, because I guess you know, if you don't like it, just either mute the group or leave the group, whatever. If it's that we'll big of an issue, you don't have to indulge in it. You have the you have the capacity to, to walk away. Now, I'm guilty of it, though, but no one knows about that search feature. I, I just recently learned about it. But again, oh. I also, but I didn't ever need the search feature. Does that make sense? Well, that goes back to what I was, what I'm getting at is like, if you have a question, like say you've, you've done research and you've been reading and like uh, a good example is like the, the copulatory swelling with the cyania. Right. I couldn't find any information on that. I looked in my like my books that I had on the bookshelf. I searched online and I finally found that forum post. You know, of course, it was buried pretty deep uh, in the you know the pages of the search results. But um, if you have a question where you've actually done the looking and you 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 know you still haven't found an answer, like I have no like that's that's the time to type pipe up and ask in a group. But when my issue is, is when I can tell people haven't done any of that and they just they want the answer now 
They don't want to put any effort into searching. They don't want to put any like. So I can understand the frustration that a lot of people have with this. Um, uh, people, you know, they were kind of talking about on the on the sort of the live thing earlier on Instagram. Um, it's there's a generate there's a generation gap, if you want to call it such. But I can never I can think about this all day, but then when it comes to actually talking about it, I can't get the words out. Um, You're saying that the generation gap between old herpers and new herpers, pre-internet herpers and post-internet herpers. Right. I would say there's even a middle ground in there because I feel like you and I are on the cusp of being pre-internet herpers because let's be real. When you and I were became adults and really were into this, the internet was already there. You know, it's not like we're talking to, you know, guys in their sixties or seventies who really didn't have internet for reptiles. You know what I mean? Um, but then you have the, the young generation, the up and coming, the brand new, the fresh, they don't have any concept of that. And it, it comes to that instant gratification and not in a, Oh, millennials just want it right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that they're become accustomed and used to having unlimited data literally at their fingertips with supercomputers in their pocket to the point where when they can't find it within the first two minutes of their search, well, I'll just ask someone who knows and they'll just tell me. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's a good example in the, in the Boyga group, there was the point in time where someone straight up went on, uh, wanted to know about some species. I think it was cyanide. Maybe it was melanoid. I can't remember, but they literally were like, can someone tell me the care on these? And yeah. And that's, that's crazy. Like, uh, like why I'm would anyone, gonna, I'm not going to type out a personalized care sheet for you. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But why? All right. First of all, we need to rewind. First of all, uh, Dominique, I am not 84. Thank you. Only in his soul. Um, only in my soul. Ugh. Uh, there was a time. There is still a time. Today. Okay. I will not dive into something haphazardly without doing any research at all. You know what I mean? Like, I just bought my first springtails. It's not that big a deal, but I'd never had them before. Mm -hmm. I honestly have no idea what I'm doing. So I talked to a bunch of friends that do have them and I was like, you know what? I think I can get this going, you know? And I asked them simple questions and my friends were kind enough to give me simple answers. I didn't That's ask different. them. What's that? That's different. Right. And then I made an educated decision to say, okay, now I know I'm ready to dive into this venture. Even though it was a $20 venture, it's still a venture. And I got myself some springtails that I'm going to try and, you know, get them going. Um, and yes, there's been times in my life where I didn't know something and I asked for it. I, my biggest thing is you'll never know if you don't ask, but you can't just go and expect everyone to just give you right off the bat, right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that cold of me? I don't think so. I mean, it, maybe for you and I, it comes off. It's, it's a little different because we came from that. That I feel the internet like, era, but yeah. it is an instant gratification. It is the just give it to me right now, uh, sort of thing. And, and like that, the, the person that posted in the boy group, this was a while back, but it's a good example. You know, there were people in the comments that were like, 
you have Google, you have information. If you go and read some stuff and then when you have quote unquote real questions, right. then come and ask them. But people right. were like, we're not going to sit here and type you out a personalized care sheet in the comments of a, of a group thread. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I posted and a link to Google and that kind of really upset them. Oh, I believe it. But you did the right thing in that sense. And like, just to go back to what I was saying, I have no problem giving people all of my knowledge, but don't come to me and say, give me all your knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Did, did that make sense? I don't know. I feel, I feel like a FUD, you know? Let me see. What did Dom say? Isn't it a little holier than now to assume people are coming into these groups without doing their own research? Like you don't actually know what they've already put in. Yes, to a degree. My caveat to that is when they're asking stuff that you could find in pretty much any care-related, like temperatures. Yeah you know size of the enclosure like the basic things is what i'm talking about when it's someone yeah. who's like hey i live in the pacific northwest or i'm in minnesota and i have a really hard time with humidity i've done this this and this i'm not sure exactly what else i can do does anybody have any ideas that's a great question that's great fine question. but when you come to me and say hey i just bought this frog from josh's frogs and any idea of how I should take care of it or set what it up? What species is it? Well, not even that. It's how should I take care of it? Yeah. If you go on Josh's Frogs, there are care sheets that they have made for the species that they sell. And they're very better, good care sheets. I've read them a bunch exactly, of times. To better, times. to better facilitate the people that are unsure. You know what I mean? How many times have we gone to a show and said, man, I didn't even know that animal existed. I would love to have that one day. Sometimes we bought it on the spot. Sometimes we haven't. Does it make us bad if we did? No. But be prepared to do some homework real quick. Mm -hmm. You know. And then Dom asked, and aren't there aren't the groups there to help people interested in getting started? And that's yes, and that's that's fine too. It's just yeah, I can I can tell pretty pretty well if someone has put in some effort into actually looking up things. Sure. Like the guy just asking for the care sheet because he didn't feel like looking up information on cyania like that's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna type out a, a care sheet in the comments it's not gonna happen yeah uh, i also think that we need to focus in on you know there's a there's a very big problem that is slowly but surely being addressed in our community the herpetoculture community and that is people getting quick to the draw and jumping down someone's throat yes um it's and that was something that, that Maria Mar and, and Jeremy talked yeah. about. And that I agree with. Like, it's not necessary. It kind of ties into what Don right. is saying. She's like, as, as much as it's annoying, I would still rather someone come in with easy questions first than the post of, you know, I've had this chondro for three months and it's burnt, uh, won't perch and won't eat, you know. Yes. And at that point, you're probably likely to see people absolutely just light that person ablaze. Yeah. Uh, but that's another thing. It's like you don't have to respond. You're you're under no requirement or obligation to comment. You either yeah. there and you tell the person what they need to do to fix it, or you just leave it alone and let the other twenty people either help or just talk smack. Like it's just. I actually, I have I have a three part retort to that. Okay. Part A is if you intend on commenting, you know, you have some insight, you have some personal experience, 
That's wonderful. Good for you to help that person out. Scroll down and check and make sure that 16 other people haven't said the exact same thing you have. And if you still feel compelled to, to, to put your two cents in with your name on there, then go for it. But like how many times I've seen a question, I'm like, ooh, I know the answer to that. I'll help that person out. I'm like, you know what? Let me check first. And 46 people already said the exact same thing I was going to say. Now, I didn't comment because 46 people said it before I did. I don't need to be the 47th. You know? The biggest perpetuator of that is the ID groups. Someone puts a picture of a copperhead mm-hmm. and 10 people are like, yeah, that's a copperhead. Right. And it's like, you totally saw the other 20 people that said that's a copperhead. Exactly. exactly. What's the point? Well, how about this? You saw that there was 20 comments on it. You, you don't have to click the comments to see if they all said copperhead. If there's 20 comments, you assume they ID'd it. You know? Um, the next thing is, it's, it's difficult to gauge the person you're speaking to. Um, and a lot of times we're compelled to jump down someone's throat, not knowing all the facts. And I say this from personal experience. I had a friend of mine who, um, was venting to me as a friend about this person who was treating them like a moron on Instagram. And they sent me screenshots of questions about animals that were for sale and just, you know, didn't know anything, what they were doing at all. Didn't do their, their appropriate amount of Googling. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm listening to my friend. He's venting to me. And then I went and I looked at that person's page and it was through my personal deductive reasoning that this wasn't English. This was, this was a translation app. Mm -hmm. So I went and I looked at the actual page and it was a, 12 year old girl from Italy. So now you have talked about that before. We've talked about that, right? And this, my friend basically blew them out of the water, you know, guns a blazing, like, you know, don't waste my time. I don't have time for this. You should know what you're buying, blah, 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 blah. When had they taken a couple seconds to just go look at that person's page, they would have known that this is a child. This is a child who is passionate about our industry, our hobby, our community, wants to get involved and maybe can't own it themselves, but they're curious for knowledge and they want to know so that when they do come of age, they can acquire this stuff. They're already better equipped and prepared mentally and physically. So not only do you have a child asking these questions, children can't always formulate the most perfect paragraph in, in writing, let right. alone in the internet, especially now you have a language gap, a barrier. Mm-hmm where they're taking their, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their dialect in phrase and converting it using a nondescript translating app into English. And it sometimes it doesn't make sense. And you can't yell at them and say, oh, you're fucking stupid. You don't even know how to write in English. Well, no, they don't know how to write in English because they're not speaking English. It's not their main dialect. Right. right. So I think sometimes we just need to sit back and before we get upset because it's, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back or it's the cherry on top. And, Oh, I've been doing this so long. And I'm just sick of it. Well, sit back, look at what you're working with, look at who you're speaking to and then gauge appropriately, you know? And if it's some 30 year old, you know, asshole, then yeah, tear him a new butt. I just, I've met the point now where I know there's going to be the, the a handful of people that are going to answer that question, you know, especially in like conjure groups. It's like, I, my input isn't needed in my, I just don't feel that I, I don't feel compelled to throw my hat in that ring. 
You know, and it also comes down to, I don't know if it's human nature, maybe it's American nature, but there's a lot of people out there in this world that feel compelled. Not that they want to help. They feel compelled to share the knowledge they've gained. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you do it the right way, which segues to my third point of having tact and class. Very, very few individuals younger than us have what would be construed or conveyed as traditional class. And I don't know if that has professionalism. I don't know if that has to do with their upbringing, if it has to do with the way they were educated in school, but the traditional Americana class coof is being lost in my opinion. I think that's an internet thing. I think it's an internet thing, 100%. And that falls in line with grammar. You know, my mother's an English teacher, so obviously I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the uh, I'm more grammatically sound than most, I'll say, because she burned that shit in my mind as a child. Um, but there's certain ways to formulate your sentences. There's certain ways to articulate yourself, you know, using punctuation, not using slang. And one thing my mother always taught me is that every 30 years, language evolves you know something as simple as the word cool yeah the word mm -hmm. cool it it has so many different meanings now but originally it meant not quite cold right and then we've evolved it from i want to say i think it was the 1920s to now and it's still used but then you get a a, a phrase like fire like oh that's fire well that's a fresh new word in, in, in the in the usage of it's cool right or it's awesome okay and i feel like when i was a kid it lit. was uncouth. yeah lit exactly when i was a kid it was uncouth to use certain vernacular in in your writing in your in a letter in your schoolwork, in typing on the computer in email in whatever so we're not talking about texting we're talking about having an open chat that's read by anyone and still the the grammar and the writing is is garbage like just garbage maybe that's just me there you go see jeff or kendra whichever one it is said if you don't have something nice to construct to say that don't say anything at all keep scrolling yeah and i've done that a lot there's been a million times where i've seen someone post something um not even asking a question but they just said something really ignorant or something stupid and i went to go type out a response and i was like you know like after i got done typing out, i was like why am i wasting my time and just end up deleting it and moving on it's like arguing be it in person or on the internet usually just leads nowhere no one's going to magically change their mind or see that viewpoint like you're literally spinning your wheels and it's like that's time i could be spent doing something else you know it's just not not worth it arguing with strangers on the internet is not uh not a hobby i enjoy it's not yeah. a hobby of mine at all yeah. I just had a guy at a guy today uh, who just got into knobtails. And although I am extremely passionate about the Mephiros genus, I am not God's gift to geckos by mm -hmm. any means necessary. I'm still learning myself every day. Um, but he got a, a baby that he's been raising up and he believes it to be a male. And he sent me pictures. He's like, hey, I looked at this. I looked at that. I spoke to this person. They think it's also a male. What do you think? And are we looking at this the right way? 
And I basically told him, I said, you're looking at it the correct way. You're looking at the way that I would look at it. It does look like it could be a male, but give it another four or five months, see what it turns into. I've had plenty of lizards that looked one way and wound up being something else. So I think that the way that he formulated that message to me was exactly what we were just talking about. Knew the question at hand, tried to do their own homework on their own without you know, inquiring to anyone personally. And then once they made a decision as to how they want to ask that question or what the actual question was, they asked it. Rock and roll. I love it. You know? I mean, you see it in the carpet groups all the time. I just bought this carpet. What kind is it? You know, and the answer to everyone, to, like that's kind of the running joke in the, in the Morelia circle is like, you know, this, the people have that answer of unless you have some sort of background information, who knows? Like yeah. they have that copied and pasted to their clipboard and ready to go because right. that, that question gets asked a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, there, I remember there was a point where, where guys sort of got upset like they got irritated with that question being asked all the time. And it's like, so you look at it from the point of like, you're in that every day, you're in that group all the time. You see it on a daily basis, a weekly basis, whatever you're used to seeing it. The person coming in and asking that question isn't, this is completely new to them. They have not seen it before. So like, I can't understand why it would get old, but I can also understand it from the person. Cause I mean, we've all been there. I've been there. You've been there. Of course. 100%. Uh, you know, what's my carpet? What's my green tree? What's this? You know, right. They don't know any better. So it's like, like I was saying that you can either be a dick and respond in a dickish manner, or you can just move on. Let somebody else answer it. Cause you know, someone's gonna, yeah, it's not worth getting upset about. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I say that as someone how you know I've, I've talked about it a million times before i've i've left a lot of facebook groups just because i didn't feel a need to be there yeah like it's cool and all i'm in the few what's the best starter venomous i'm sure that's that's a good one that's another one. Oh god Every and that's an even harder one to answer because it's like it's not that simple yeah you know yeah you know, and then like part of me gets annoyed because I see that one all the time. What's the best starter venomous? The one that kills me is that classic joke of, is your refrigerator running? Oh, uh -huh, well, you might want to go catch it. It's, <laughs> it's, what's the best starter venomous? Someone else's. Like that answer is literally perfect. But if I was that person asking, that would piss me off so much. Because but that's not really an answer. It's a it's non answer. Not a, it's not an answer, and it's basically telling me to go fuck myself. And that's why I would never tell someone right off the gate, someone else's. I would feel out the question and go from there. But the problem is, it's asked so much that you, you know you only have so much that you, you know you run out of patience. I hate to say it. That's what it is. It comes yeah. down to patience. That's what it and, is. And we lose patience so quickly because of the internet. That's it. Miguel said, if these kids grew up in the Xbox 360 Call of Duty game chats like I did, then we're all screwed. <laughs> nice. Very true. It was Halo for me. And the, dude, it was, it was freaking brutal. Like, yeah. if you didn't have a thick skin going into into that, that shit, you had one when you were, you know, a couple months in, mm -hmm. talking about each other's mamas. Your mama's ass is so big when she sits down, she's three feet taller. Yeah. Yeah. We always got interesting because we, we didn't have Xboxes. We had a, we would go to a, a gaming center that had like 50 or 100 PCs. 
and we play modern warfare <laughs> on a land, right? And you'd pay 20 bucks for the night. They give you a Red Bull and a bag of chips, and boom, you're in. And you all have a headset screaming at each other. You know? You're across the room. <laughs> right, right. Across the room, you have a still have a headset screaming. And then you get killed by, you know, uh, you know, monkey, monkey butt 22. You'd be like, who the hell is monkey butt 22? And then you hear like this 10 year old kid, fuck you, man. Fuck you, grandma. <laughs> and it's like, what, what did I do? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. And what bothers me the most is that I would say maybe 70, maybe 65, 75% of the people that can relate to what we're talking about, they know exactly what we're talking about, but they still perpetuate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And social media in general is just one of those things where it, it can get exhausting. If you're, if you're in it long enough, you're just inundated with information constantly and it can, you see a lot of the worst in people, not a whole lot of the best. Right. And it, I can understand the frustration and the loss of patience and stuff like that. But it's, it's like I said, it's just as simple as walking away. You, you have no obligation to answer right. anything. Right. You know, and it goes down to, you know, uh, Ryan Cox was showing us, uh, he has, he has a snake he put up for sale and the people that are, that are asking questions, it gets extremely tiring because he'll put in the ad, it'll say, okay, uh, five-year-old, you know, blah, blah, blah. Krakatoa, Het, yeah. Albino, Mogachino. Right. Yeah. right. So let, let's keep it simple. Okay. Uh, three-year-old female albino ball python, uh, single gene albino ball python, bred by, you know, Justin Smith. Uh, $200. What's it head for? Two, just $200. And the, res- the first message he gets from an individual will be, how much is the snake? Or just how much, question mark. Price. Yeah, j- price, question mark. Like, why would anyone reply to that? That's a Why? whole another. That's a whole different animal of. See, that's different for me. No, that is that is exactly what it, we were just talking about. Uh, it is the the individuals, whether they be young or old, individuals who have become accustomed to the instant internet gratification, that they can't just say, "Hey, I saw your ad. I didn't notice the price. How much is the specimen, or how much is the snake?" No, it's just price question mark. Well, and to, to add on to that, if you're not going to put a price in your ad, you can't right. get upset about people bombarding yes. your inbox asking how much yes. it is. Yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And then the whole, like, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. It's like, well, if you're not telling me how much it is, how do I yeah. know? Well, what, For all what, you know, I'm a billionaire farmer that has, like, three Ferraris and a freaking the biggest damn track you've ever seen in your life and a yeah. bunch of walking around money. Yeah. How about this? How about I, I want to say recently, but this year I was looking at a couple different species that are very, very expensive, but the price has been slow, has been dropping considerably just because of uh, a more readily available animal. And the people put on there serious inquiries only. Yeah. That means quote unquote, don't waste my fucking time. But that here's means the ask only if you're actually going to buy. Right. 
which but to me isn't that's that's not it's a two-way street in that sense right okay so the way i see it is you have somebody uh there goes my train of thought right off platform nine and three quarters um Jesus. What I was going to say is, yeah, I could have five grand in my pocket because the animal's worth five grand. But I don't know he's selling it for five, or she's selling it for five grand. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden I say, all right, I'm a serious inquirer. How much? It's, oh, this snake is $8,000. Don't. And I say, oh, well, that's a little steep for me. Well, said serious, serious inquiries only. Don't waste my time. Well, how am I supposed to know that? Right. And that's what, that's what I'm saying with the two-way street yeah. thing. A, the seller needs to be making sure that they are putting all the information down that makes Correct. it very clear. And then as potential buyers, if you are inquiring, it's okay to say, if someone gives you a price, if I message that person that you're talking about and they say eight grand, I only have five, thanks. Yeah. None of the whole like, let me ask my mom or yes. let me ask my wife. Yes. Let me let me see what I have in my bank account. I get paid Friday. Like just say yep. thanks. If yeah. someone if someone did that, I'd be like, cool, man, no problem. Yeah. I just I just did that this morning. I had and just say thank you. I had an individual message me this morning saying, Hey, I got these. I know you were looking for them. I, I, I he gave me the price right up front. And I said, Hey, that's a great price. Unfortunately, you know, I'm I'm a little strapped right now. So, you know, I have to decline, but thank you for offering. You, know, you don't have to formulate it as formal as I did, but just say, hey, can't do it right now. Thanks. Yeah. Simple. I, it's almost like people are afraid to say that at this point. I don't know. Like they have to come up with some sort of excuse to be able to ghost yeah. somebody. Yeah. I also I've done it. I've messaged somebody and said, how much is this? And they're like this. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, I recently had someone uh, offer me animals that are going to be imported. They're captive bred and they're going to be imported, but he wants a deposit. Now, the individual selling them has a wonderful reputation, and I would have no problem trusting him with my deposit. Um, it's not him that I worry about. It's I, I declined the offer simply because at this time, simply because it's hard for me to give a thousand dollar deposit on something that could show up, you know, broken or dead, or the crate never shows up. Right. It's you know? not even in country. Right. And, and that's the thing is, it's not that I don't trust the seller. It's that I don't trust, you know, the world in general. There's a lot of things that are out of their yeah, hands. Exactly. Yeah. So if he had said to me, hey, uh, give me a $1,000 refundable deposit upon the animals arriving safe and sound and, and, you know, good to go, then I would probably consider it more. But when you just say, yeah, I don't even know when the shipment's coming. It's supposed to come, you know, in the middle of April. Well, <laughs> I ain't giving you any money, pal. Sorry. That's just me. Let me know when they're here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and one thing that kills me is and just maybe it's because I'm a salesman. Um, but I key on I key in on certain sleazy sales tactics. Like, for example, uh, I've got two pairs, I've got I've got four pairs coming in. The nicest pair is already spoken for. You can have the next nicest pair. Well, what do you mean the nicest pair is spoken for? Was it first come first serve and whatever, you know, you're going to look at all of them and he's going to get the cherry pick. Is that what this is? Like, how, how does that work? You know, that always bothered me. Well, well the nicest pair is already spoken for. Okay. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to say that. Just say, Hey, I got four pairs coming for one's already spoken for. You know what I mean? Don't, don't belittle me 
make me feel like I'm not good enough to have the nicest pair. You know, obviously someone was in front of me in line. They, you know, they got the fresh chocolate babka, and I did. Come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know. The internet's a kooky creature. It is, man. And hey, you know, I take a break. I have to sometimes. Yeah. And it's different for different people. You know, like for me with the pages, you know, between the magazine and, and the podcasts and everything else that I got going on, like I would love to delete my Facebook. And I know I can and still manage the pages. But if any of you have ever tried to use Facebook Business Suite or whatever the app is now, page manager, it's a nightmare. It's yeah. horrible. Yeah. But I, I do sometimes, sometimes I just delete the app. I delete Facebook off my phone. Just yeah. the app. It's my account's still there, and I can check it when I'm on my computer, like at work. But when I'm not, it's not there in front of me all the time. Right. I get annoyed because you may be the admin on the magazine page, or magazine, or no THP network. Yeah, you may be an admin on the network, and it says so and so wants to join, or so and so wants permission to do something, and I go to do it, and you already approved it or denied it. So <laughs> I'm like, damn it, Justin. <laughs> but that's all right. It's good because I'm on it. I don't. I don't have the option to be gentle on the spot all the time. So, and speaking of uh, uh, backing off of things, as much as I love this Grand Reserva, the draw has been garbage and it's canoeing on me pretty bad. So I may abandon ship on this one. But it's tasty. Nice rich Maduro. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's a little dry and it's not oily enough, and that's why it's doing it. I don't know. I'll relight it in a minute. I may knock off some of that that char in the front and see if I can correct it. But yeah, I feel like our message we just gave, uh, and Dan Colgan says that it was lit. Um, I feel like our message that we just talked about, our opinions of this, it may have seemed like a Debbie Downer, but it really wasn't. I feel like. It does yeah. show. It shows the positive light of it, and it basically. I don't want people to listen to this and be like, "Wow, you know, they just don't reply to stuff because they can't be bothered." No, I want people to think about what they're saying before they type it, you know, and think. I that, am all for helping people. If someone messages exactly. me, I've had people message me on Instagram and stuff a million times, even on Facebook. Um, if they have a question or something and they ask me directly. I'm, I'm going to answer you. Like, I'm yeah. going to reply. It's, I'm not going right. to ignore you. I'm not going to say, fuck off, dude. Like, I'm going to reply. And I'm, it's, I like to consider myself polite and professional. And sure. I have no issues helping somebody. I yeah. really, I really don't. It's just when you do it in a public forum, like groups, and you know that other people are going to respond with the same answer that you're going to give. Right. I don't feel any need to, to, to add anything unless there's something that, that I think maybe is missing or there's something that in my experience was different than what other people said. That's one thing, but it is not simply, it's not, it's not a case of, of, I don't want to help anybody. If you're new, don't bother coming to my door because right. my door is always open. I tell people that all the time when like, uh, there was a guy that got some chondros not that long ago when he was having issues with them getting to eat. Yeah. He posted in the NPR group and I said, message me and I helped him out. And even then, I'm still invested enough to where I messaged him like two weeks after that and said, how are they doing? And then I messaged him again a month later and said, yeah. and are they getting better? Like I'm, I actually do care. Sure. You know? 
Uh, sure. It's I'll just, also say this. Uh, recently, uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a, a Rinkals group on Facebook. Um, it only has like, it has less than 100 people in it. Uh, most of them are European. Um, but of course, I added myself, or I, in, I requested to be added to it. And uh, the people in there, they're almost all hobbyists. Um, nice people. Really didn't talk, but I posted something and a question or something. I don't even remember what it was. Dumb stuff. You know, hey, have you ever noticed this before? And no one commented. I think I got one like and no one commented. And at first I was like, man, like, am I that guy now? Did I just ask the question that's been asked a thousand times? So I start scrolling through and scrolling through. And I went through like all the way back to like 2015 and no one had ever asked that question. So I realized, okay, I'm not that guy. And I realized, well, it's because it's such a niche group. It's a niche species in a niche group. Either no one knows the answer or no one's paying attention to it because there's less than 100 people in the group, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, don't feel bad if no one comments, you know? But I feel like in this day and age, that's a rarity. I mean, I think about it now, man. It's got to be tough for someone new coming into the hobby, especially if you're getting in like ball pythons and stuff. Like, hey, where the hell do you start? B, if there's probably not a question that hasn't already been asked somewhere. You know, right. especially on Facebook. And so it's, right. I do, I mean, I do, I, I sympathize. I empathize. But that's I, like me and isopods. I just started really looking at isopods because it's generally becoming a fascination for me in terms of the bioactivity of it. Um, yes, they're cute, but like I'm looking at it more of the, you know, ecological point. The utilitarian view. aspect. The, exactly. The utilitarian aspect of it. And I've been rarely asking questions to anyone because over the past four or five years, there's so much shit out there on isopods. Like I don't have to ask anyone. I can search for it myself at my fingertips and be good to go. Um, (laughs) So like, I think it comes down to, and this is going to sound like such a boomer thing to say, but it comes down to maybe it's not laziness of the up and coming kids or up and coming people people's you know thought process it's the fact that they maybe haven't had to before like they like it, it's like they don't know that they're being ignorant or lazy does that make sense yeah no i mean that that kind of goes back to what i was talking about where people just maybe they just don't know any better yeah you know they yeah i we should all know by now that google exists and if you don't, you must be Amish or something. You must be completely disconnected from the, the electronic world. And right. some people are. That's fine. But if you're on Facebook asking these questions, I'm going to assume you're not. Correct. And that search function, I mean, I mean maybe it's something a lot of people don't know exists, but I've used it. A mil- it's super handy. If you go in any group, there's a search bar that search for anything you like, any text you put in that box, it'll bring up. Any post or comment that's had that text in it, and I mean the right. beaded the beaded thing. When I was looking up, what's the Google's? Uh, when I was looking up beaded enclosures, instead of asking, "Hey, what should I do for these beaded's?" It's like this is. I guarantee you, this has been asked before. And so I looked, and of course, there's like a ton of posts of people asking that and showing their enclosures too. Not even necessarily if you just look up beaded enclosure, it doesn't give you just the people asking that question. It it shows you people setups, what they did, you know 
Like it, there's, now, there's so much more information to it than just the question you're asking. There are, there are multiple do-it-yourself enclosure groups. You know what I'm saying? So if like mm -hmm. if if you're not Justin and you're not completely immersed into the community like Justin is, and you want to get a lizard enclosure or make a lizard enclosure, there are so many avenues to pursue that. You know, and like I said recently, I had no idea the search bar was there just because I don't I never really was that big into it, but I never asked, I always looked first. You know, I scroll. Yeah, well, this also saves you from having to do that. Right, right. Yeah. It <laughs> saves you from having to scroll back to 2015 looking for a, a question, you know. Um man, I had another one I was gonna send the point. Um oh yeah. If you as the Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media platform user, if you know how to hold down the like button to get the other types of likes, the other emojis, whether it be the heart, the laughing face, the wow face, the crying face, whatever. If you know how to do that, then you know how to look for a question. You know how to find it. So on to a happier note. <laughs> and I think a lot of it too is sort of the, you know, when it comes back to the information and, and people go into Facebook as the first place. Yeah. It is, there is a, a level, be it large or small, of the paradox of choice where you're so inundated with options that you kind of, you, you sort of just don't make a decision. Yeah. You know, we see it. I mean, good, the humidor at work. People walk in and they're like, new, newer people that are into cigars and they, you can see them just kind of look there and I can see their eyes just kind of wandering and they're like, oh. And so I give them recommendations. Sure. I try not to give them more than like four or five because I know the more I give them, it's only going to, they might as well be in there by themselves. Yeah. And so it's the same thing. When you, when you Google these things, you know, you Google Boyga care or whatever it is. <clears throat> uh, I mean, God forbid, think about like bearded dragons and balls and the other stuff. That's like super, super common. Yeah. The amount of information that's out there, it is overwhelming. And I know, I understand people aren't sure of what they can trust and what they can't. To me, the simple work around that is read multiple pages. Yeah. Read everything. If you see the same information popping up in multiple sources, you can probably assume that that's fairly accurate. You know, yeah. temperatures, cage sizes, that kind of thing. Um, and that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this section is if you've done all that and then you still don't have the answer to a specific question or maybe you're doing something and it doesn't seem to be working and so you want to know what you can do to sort of tweak it that might fix it, that's like that's the time to to pipe up and ask in a group. And even then you may get shit from people, but it's it's the effort. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and people knowing that you put in the effort and you're you know, you you didn't want to just be spoon fed information. Yeah. It's a classic thing of measure twice, cut once. You know? You know, do your measure do your 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 Google homework before you make that cut. You know, Dan Colgan says it's the blockbuster effect. A lot of kids today don't know what it's like to have to wait until next week to watch a movie. They have it all right there for them. Um, Making us sound like a bunch of crotchety old men. Yeah, I know. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> say. Well, how about this? Expanding on Dan's thing. I love the, the I love the blockbuster analogy, but I wouldn't go so far as to say waiting until next week because I'm really bad at it now. I will binge watch a a season in. 24 hours right 
and then I got to wait a whole year or eight months for the next season to come out. So I get that, but go so far as to say the blockbuster effect and the fact of you couldn't just sit on your couch and push the button on your Apple TV. You had to physically get in the car, drive to Blockbuster, go into the store, find the aisle that had you know action movies, grab True Lies, and say, oh man, there's no more copies left. Go up to the front, ask the guy at the front, hey man, I'm looking for this new Schwarzenegger movie called True Lies. Back oh yeah, yeah. Five. yeah, right? Uh, I got. I just got the copy. Somebody just dropped it off. Let me rewind it for you. And he puts it on the rewinding machine, and now I have my copy of True Lies on VHS that I can go home and watch it. That whole ordeal took an hour, maybe forty minutes, whatever, because I had to drive there, do all that stuff. Now I can just sit on my couch and turn on the Google Cast from my phone, and whammo, there it is. So the. It's not just the instant gratification. It's how the instant gratification was attained, per se. Man. None of this was meant to be like negative, like we're saying. It's yeah, just of course. Of looking course. like, I, you know, discussing it, looking at it from the different angles, seeing both sides yeah. in a sense, and then trying to navigate sort of where you fall into that, that sort of, I guess, yeah. spectrum of things. I also don't, I don't want people to think that we're singling out, you know, individuals under the age of 30. We're, we're not. There are plenty of, you know, uh, individuals that are over the age of 50 who are Internet savvy and they still ask the same thing. They still say the same thing. Price with a question mark, you know. So and my opinion on that is if you're too lazy to formulate a sentence to ask me, I'm too lazy to formulate a sentence to tell you. Sure. Sure. Sorry. That's one thing that I. Yeah. Whole price. How much. I think I got a message not that long ago that was like, how much are the green snakes? And I'm like, which green snakes? Yeah. Like that. And it, you see that a lot too. You know, the people that, that see something, oh man, I got, you know, they see the, the baby Boyga and they're so cute. I want one. It's like, I mean, they're not. I won't recommend Boyga to, to anybody who hasn't kept something similar in terms of you know the the flightiness and the right you know it's just not that it can't be done just like condors being a first snake it totally can be done it's just not going to be my recommendation yeah 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 it's a good call so and if i mean especially when it comes to like the boy like i want to make sure that you know what you're getting into and what you're you know it's if I know someone's going to be dangling it and putting it on their face for Instagram and stuff like that, it's just flat out. Not, I'm not going to sell it to you. It's not going to happen. I think I know their rear fang. I know they're not that venomous, but yeah, I don't want to be the guy. Yeah. Malagasy leaf, no snakes. I would love some of those if I didn't have to deal with geckos. Yeah. But I do have an exoterra at my parents' house that I may set up and try the Turkicus thing again. Okay. Uh, I'm actually, uh, it has warmed up and the geckos are back. So I told Dr. Wyman I was going to grab him a couple more. So I, I've got two in the bag right now. I need to get at least two or three more. I'm going to send them up to him. Um, it's just good. It's just interesting to watch stuff start to come back from being chilly, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I, the way I see it is I'd be much more dedicated into getting some of those more specialized feeding species like Malagosa leaf nose snakes and, and Boiga. Uh, like the the Benculuensis and and some of the other stuff that that is not 
readily mouse eating species. Right. Like if I had, if I could somehow manage to get a steady supply of like turkeys, geckos and stuff, I would, I would probably be much more okay with, with trying my hand at that stuff. But to me, it's just like having to deal with crickets again and, you know, even small ones. And my pet smart almost never has any of the small ones available or like bone dry all the time. Uh, then dealing with fruit flies again, because when they're small, they're they ain't eating anything bigger than a than a hidey eye. Yeah, you know those yeah. those little turkey geckos are like that big. Yeah. But at the same time, it would be really cool to see them in like a, a planted setup with wood and stuff for them to hide out in, and it would be neat. But it's just it's a matter of weighing out whether or not I want to put in the the work. Right. Right. Yeah, I get that. I get a lot. I'm still looking for binos geckos for uh, knobtail food. I just can't. Nobody's got them, you know. So hopefully, I'll be able to get some in Daytona. And Jeff makes a good point because they're getting rid of their green anacondas, sadly. Um, but he said, just like with the anacondas, we have to be very picky about who they went to. Um, just because you have the money doesn't mean you can or should keep them, and that's true. And that's how something with the venomous guys that sell venomous. I don't know how they do it. Like, I told you it's it's tough. It's, it's so difficult. hard. I would be so freaking paranoid and nervous that I well, sold see, some free handle and douchebag. And that comes and it's not even the free handle and douchebag. You've heard my story about the mother who wanted to buy her 14-year-old yeah. like it just comes down to some people just don't care. It's not their problem, it's not their deal. The minute you walk out with that deli cup, it's not their problem anymore. And you and I are too morally conscious for that i would yeah. feel yeah. really bad if i sold somebody a snake that wasn't prepared for it right whether i knew it or not i guess and maybe that's a little tougher i guess to, to sort of navigate but i would feel horrible if somebody got bit and worst case died yeah because i sold them a snake and whether they told me they were i mean obviously if i was selling that stuff i'd, I'd be betting people pretty heavily but right people can tell you stuff all day long until you actually meet them in person and you see what they do. You don't know for sure. A hundred percent. And even still, you don't know what they're going to do behind closed doors. Exactly. Yeah. So I would feel really bad if. Yeah. Yeah. I get uh, that. I understand that. That happened. But so, just like with anything else, you know, it's once it's out of your hands, you can't really do anything about it. It's true. It's true. You know, once FedEx has that box, I yeah. can only I can only help you in the in the realm of replacements and refunds. Other than that, you know. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about some herping for twenty one. Yeah, I mean we can get into it briefly. I mean I'm got some time, I guess. Okay. But Not going anywhere. Plans for for herping this year. That Copperhead's got me pretty uh pretty jazzed to get out there. Especially as nice as the weather's been the last few days. I'm like, dude, I need to be out cruising the roads. What do you have planned? What do you want? What's your ambitions as far as getting out in the field? Well, um, I'm definitely gonna hit the cane fields real hard this year. I really, I really want to get my my Everglades rats. And it's getting a bit morbid. I mean, I started last summer and I just had bad spots and I really think that the agricultural runoff and pesticides is affecting things. Um, I'm seeing more of a particular species than I am of others. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I also feel like in the past three or four years, the field collectors who collect for wholesale uh, have taken a have taken a, an interest in Everglades rats, and I don't think that people are over collecting. But I feel like the spots where they were known to be are are few and far between because they were over collected. Do I think that the snake is in peril because people are collecting them for pets? No, I think my spots where I knew they were <laughs> may have been fished a little dry temporarily, you know? Um, but I'm definitely gonna try and do that this year um, and, and try and get that project going. I wanna head to North Florida at some point, whether it just be a long weekend or maybe, you know, I have some time off before Daytona, Maybe I'll go up that way because I've never seen a cane break in the wild and I kind of want to, I have two Florida males right now. I'd like to get a female, um, but it would just be cool to just, I've never heard North Florida. Like as weird as that is, I've just like never did it. I'd like to do that. No, I mean, if you're going to come up that far, you might as well just come up here. That's true. It's not the same though. It's not North Florida. It's South Carolina, man. It's coastal South Carolina. I know, I know. Oh, I went out of the so one of the bad. meccas. Oh, I was just talking. Uh, we were we were talking about king snakes, and dude, I want outer banks again. I really do. I want that. I don't think sets. when I lived up that way as a kid, I don't think we ever went there. We had neighbors who would go all the time, but I don't think we ever actually went there. Yeah, yeah. I want that. Labor peltas, Catullus thickaceps. I need that, or stickaceps. However you want to say it. Um, I also uh, have been invited to go on what I'm considering the trip of a lifetime. Um, in the early summer, I will be venturing to West Texas with two of our podcasting cohorts, uh, Mr. Eric Burke and Mr. Rob Stone. And uh, I'm uh, extremely honored and grateful that they have uh, invited me to go. So, and I, uh, you know, Brett from Fieldstone, he's going to join us because he lives out that way. He's going to be like our uh, our concierge, if you will. And uh, I'm super duper excited. Uh, and I hope that I can fill a box full of bear rats for Justin Smith. Thank you. You're very welcome. So other than those few things, uh, I really don't have anything else planned. No, I mean, as far as you got to find a coral, and a Florida coral, a coral period that needs to you need to cross that off the list, buddy. Dude, How you live been, in Florida and you never you've never seen one is like it's been blowing to me. Twenty years, bro. You think I would have found one by now? No time like the present. Yeah, right. Every single night that it rains, I'm just gonna go herping. Every single night. I don't know. Part of me is like, yeah, coral, awesome. And their part of me is like, yeah, seen them a hundred times. Yeah. I'm not taking it home, you know. So, but yeah, it's on the list. I, I would. I, I've seen. I've seen almost every single non-fish, non-reptile that Florida has to offer. I kind of take a little bit of pride in that. I'm sure there's some birds I haven't seen. Um, but there's a lot of reptiles and amphibians that I've not seen. So I want to kind of get that list under wraps. Um, but I've been lucky that 
I've seen a lot. But the things that I want to see, I haven't seen. Like a freaking coral snake. It's always in someone's freaking backyard. It's yeah, Henry said he has a pool now, and it's just a matter of time before one jumps in. That's very true. Very, Which, very true. My parents have a pool. Every every year, there's at least something in there. It's usually like a little baby bandit or something. But yeah, there's I a think, bullfrog when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last year, I think there was a a neonate copperhead that had gotten it drowned. It was dead when we found it. But oh, that sucks, dude. You want to talk about a freaking toad magnet narrow mouths spade foots oh yeah whatever the other common toads are like southern in that skimmer box all the time i guess i'm super not hip to to what toad species we have around here aside from the spade foots and narrow mouths but yeah there's so many we pull out of that thing especially when it starts warming up and that season's in full swing yeah that'd be awesome crazy man those little narrow mouth toads are actually cool as hell yeah yeah they're, dude we get them all the time they're so loud when they call it's crazy that's something i want to get better at is is being able to identify via calls yeah join, join the uh frog watch you know they give you the recordings the uh i forgot to tell you uh last week i saw my 10th Florida Panther. So that was uh, probably really? the, that was probably the scariest encounter I've had with the Florida Panther. Um, we jokingly oh. call them we jokingly call them ghosts. So like, all right, there are spots that are more prone for panther activity. Like for example, off of Highway 29 is the Florida Panther Preserve. It's a massive property of land that has been allocated specifically to Florida panthers. Um, that's where most people see sightings of them because there is like boardwalks that go through and nature trails and stuff. I'm sure people um, see them all the time. Like there's a lot of people on that hockey team. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's cool that they have their own little plot of land to hang out on. Practice. It is. It is. And, obviously, and it's free reign. It's not like it's fenced. It's fenced in for the people, not for cats. Um, it's to keep the people out, you know? Um, but to see them in the wild is very rare. Not in that area. And we call them ghosts because you literally only see them for two to three seconds and then they just disappear without, and it's a sound. without a sound. It's usually 50 to 80 yards in front of the car, you know, as it's crossing the road right at dusk and you'll see like the silhouette and you'll see like the long curled tail. Um, so I would say maybe four or five of my Panther sightings. I don't know if it was the same cat or same cats because it was in the same areas um, because it's not like you can go, Oh, that one's got a spot on it. So like, you can't see it's too far away. It's so, yeah. It's so quick that it's, it's not like that. Well, we were out flipping stuff, looking for uh, looking for rat snakes. And we had seen a bobcat earlier in the night that kind of was like watching us. And all of a sudden we saw this little cat and we thought it was another bobcat and it wasn't, it was a, it was a Panther cub. And we, you know, did our best to not shine lights at it too much because, you know, we don't want to blind it. You know, they do have the eye shine reflective eyes. Um, but it's so weird because it wasn't, I'd never seen a baby in the wild. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I can't think I've ever seen a baby in person, but it wasn't your typical like, meow, meow. It wasn't like that. It was like a, like a, like a whistle. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, and as I was with two friends, and as we're looking at this 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 cub, me and the one guy are like enamored. The other guy, he's a bug guy, and he's looking at his phone. He doesn't care about the cat. <laughs> and he he's te- he's texting on his phone, probably talking to his girlfriend or something. And um, as he's texting with his phone, looking down at his phone, he says, "You know they make bird sounds, right?" And I was like, "Bird sounds." And as soon as I said that from behind us, all you hear is, I'll see if I can whistle it. It's it's hard. But it's behind us. And like chills in the back of your neck, the hair stand up, goosebumps all over. And you're like, oh my God. And then you hear it moving, like creeping tiptoe through like the leaf litter. And now it's on our left side and you hear, and you're like oh that's mom we gotta get the fuck out of here and the kitten's like curled up under this bush just like freaking out and like we just kind of backed up and we just went back to the car but that was awesome oh man you know what i mean that was awesome never saw mom but I've never heard I've never heard a bird sound like that i've never and like obviously i'm whistling it's a, a poor representation but I've never heard anything else in Florida that sounded like that. So it was either a, a monopanther, you know, going, what the hell are you doing next to my baby? Or I heard skunk ape. Maybe both. Maybe it was skunk ape riding a panther. Maybe. Maybe. Like, uh, <laughs> like He-Man, right? That was a tiger, right? He-Man yeah. rode a tiger. Yeah. I have the power. But yeah, man, I want to do uh, I want to do more cane fields for Everglades rats. I want to do North Florida, find myself a cane break. And dude, West Texas with you know the boys, it's gonna be a hell of a trip. So I want to go. I know. For those of you wondering, Justin Smith was also invited. Unfortunately, Justin Smith uh, will not be joining us this round. I have Dave Matthews band tickets. And uh, he will be with us the entire time in spirit and in heart. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a chance if they end up canceling their tour, that changes things. Yes. I'm not hoping that happens. If it does, that'd be cool. But yeah, this was a Christmas present from my wife. I like Dave Matthews band. She likes them more than me, but their drummer is one of my favorites. Yeah. The dude's insane. So it'll be nice, but who knows? I mean, all the other tours have been getting canceled and stuff. So. We'll see what happens. We got time. Yeah. A lot can happen between now and then. Yeah. So, but I'm, uh, I'm excited, man. I think it's gonna be awesome. So, on that note, are we gonna call it? It's up to you, sir. If you're still smoking, I'm still talking. I mean, where are we at? We're at two hours. Yeah, two twenty. All right. So Thursday, um, Puget Sound Pythons will be joining us on THP. Yeah. For episode 114? 14, 14, 114. 
114, 115, something like that. I think it's 114. So that'll be fun. Um, please go follow him on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And uh, US Arc, five bucks a month, $40 a year. They got options, all of which yeah. are extremely affordable. Yeah. A lot going on right now. They need all the help they can get. So. Yes, sir. It's a battle of the pocketbooks. Sad to say, but it's true. We need to help put our help help put ourselves in a better position on that front. So, yeah. We will uh, see y'all next week. Yeah. Same cigar time, same cigar channel. Hopefully, I'll have a new table by then. Nice. I hate this round. This round table is driving me crazy, man. It's super not practical. I actually uh, was looking at backdrops so that I can be snazzy, just like uh, you know you and Joe. And uh, I had people me. thinking that was act like real wood, <laughs> except for the wrinkle that you see on occasion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like I wish. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, eventually, this will be beaded lizards behind me. We'll see. I actually I saw there was a a, a framed backdrop that's fake hedges for like like red carpet events mm-hmm. and you could buy like eight by six fake hedges and i was like i should just do that <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like it's it's cloth it's super lightweight the frame yeah. weighs nothing it'd be super easy to pull it in and out of you know your porch area or whatever it is you're sitting on yeah, yeah i was actually looking at retractable ones so that'll be cool like we'll see what pull down. yeah like pull down yeah like a, like a uh, overhead projector screen, you know? Yeah. Now we've aged ourselves. Yes. All right, kids. See you later. Good night. <laughs>